With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, I've been putting off doing this for most of the evening, and it's been very, very depressing to go back through the notes of this game and try to come up with any semblance of hope, <laughs> any, any, any reason to believe that the Nuggets can get out of this thing out of the hole that they've dug themselves in purely on their own merit. The effort through the first three games has been pretty bad in terms of being a playoff team. You come down to Orlando, and you don't have your entire roster here, and you get a free pass. Obviously, you should get a free pass for having to deal with the injuries and the COVID-related absences that they had during those first several weeks. But every team has injuries at this point of the year. Every team. The Utah Jazz were missing Boyan Bogdanovich, and they have not a ton of other elite players in terms of like their rotation. They have made things work. They missed Mike Conley for the first two games, and today in Game 3, he came back and reminded everybody why he's very good, basically not missing... It was just an all-around failure today. The Nuggets lost 124-87. That's a 37-point deficit for those of you keeping track at home. At one point, the Nuggets nearly went down by 40. Uh, They kind of flirted with that for a while. Uh, But there is just not a lot of great things to talk about for this one. So I, I don't think I'm going to be doing a long podcast in terms of discussing all of these things. Because I don't think anybody really wants to hear that. I'll probably do 15 to 20 minutes recapping the game, going through the failures, and then I'll do another 10 to 15 minutes on trying to come up with solutions and coaching adjustments and things of that nature. Try to be a little bit more positive towards the end. But in order to go through the positives, we have to talk about the negatives first. So let's get into it right here. The Nuggets started the game clearly looking to get Jamal Murray going. He wasn't on form. He did have one made shot that was nice. It was a nice uh, off-ball screen. He curled around a couple of screens, received the ball from Nikola Jokic, and drained a jumper at the top of the key for three. Really nice way to start the game, I would say. He also did have a a mid-range pull-up late in the buzzer against Rudy Gobert kind of on the baseline. That was, I think, to get the Nuggets completely started in this game. Uh, But beyond that, uh, 
the Nuggets kept going back to that well. They kept trying to go get Murray going, and I thought that that was the entirely wrong frame of mind for how to get going with this team. Because Royce O'Neal has done a good job on Jamal Murray. He continued to do a great job hounding him throughout this game. And in order to get star players going, it's not always about drawing up plays for them at the beginning and hoping something sticks. The Jazz were clearly expecting that. They kind of sold out on it a little bit. They made sure that they were going to target Jamal Murray on the when they were on the offense when when the Nuggets were on the offensive end, and Jamal wasn't necessarily ready to completely handle that. Though it wasn't all his fault, I will say that sometimes you just miss shots and you can deal with that. But you have to go get offensive rebounds at that point. You have to go figure things out on the fly. You have to come up with other forms of offense, and the Nuggets couldn't really do that at all today. Uh, their starting unit had five total offensive rebounds. Uh, Nikola Jokic had zero, so we're, we're going to talk about him a lot. Don't worry. Um, Paul Millsap had one. Michael Porter had one. Jamal Murray had one. Torrey Craig had two. Um, so that that's decent. It's fine. But it was just the way that they were shooting the ball today, the Nuggets needed to crash the glass a little bit more than they did. Michael Porter didn't do it. Paul Millsap couldn't do it. Nikola Jokic didn't really even try. Um, the Jazz got every defensive rebound that they needed to, and it allowed them to get into fast-break situations. They only scored eight fast-break points today, but they also cross-matched a lot against Denver, and they got the Nuggets twisted up, they ran their sets, and when the Nuggets couldn't keep up with the pace of things, it usually led to an open three or a dunk. And there was a lot of dunking by Rudy Gobert. Um, in that first quarter, though, Torrey Craig really destroyed a lot of good Nuggets offense. Jamal Murray did did some good things today. He had let me let me count it up. He had six assists, just one turnover. Uh, didn't shoot the ball well, but there were some good signs in terms of his playmaking. Uh, he tried to limit as many mistakes as possible. He was the one guy I thought today, other than Mason Plumley, who I think had a really good game. Uh, Jamal Murray, despite missing shots, I thought his energy and his effort level was the best of anybody on the Nuggets. That is damning with faint praise because the Nuggets lost by 37, so take that for what you will. Um, But Torrey Craig, there were several possessions where the ball ended up in Torrey Craig's hands and he was forced to make a decision and the Jazz jumped the passing window every single time. They knew exactly where he was going to go with the ball. He telegraphed his play, and he caused turnovers uh, for the Nuggets that they were in advantage situations that immediately became disadvantage situations. And that's one of the things, that if you're Tory, you have to be comfortable shooting that three on a consistent basis. And while he wants to, when he sees an open lane, and he wants to crash in there, he wants to do something good. He wants to do something that he's comfortable with. The Jazz were baiting him into that in a lot of those situations in the first quarter, and it resulted in some awful, awful turnovers. He also tried to duck in when he was being guarded against by Mike Conley. Uh, had a size mismatch, to be clear, but when he ducked in, he basically bowled Mike Conley over, and you can't do that. Jokic was going to throw the pass, but Torrey Craig can't do that. There is There's a time and a place for it, and there was no possible reason for him to get into that position because Mike Conley had position, and you knew he was going to flop, 
and Tory Craig still ran into him anyway. It's just bad, bad decision making. At the seven minute mark of this game, the Nuggets went with a couple of substitutions. The first was to take Paul Millsap out for Jeremy Grant, which I thought was the right call. Uh, the Nuggets were getting out to a slow start, and I thought that they were going to go to the Murray, Craig, Porter, uh, Grant, Jokic lineup, which I've been calling for for a while. Um, well, Michael Porter Jr. was immediately taken off after that, for reasons unknown. I think it was because he could stagger to the second unit, and they wanted to end up letting him do that, uh, kind of be the lead scorer in that situation. Uh, we're going to get to some of those numbers, but the fact is Porter hasn't been good in that role. The, the Nuggets haven't been good at getting him the ball in that situation, and he hasn't been good at converting opportunities with the bench unit. Um, but they took him out in the first five minutes, and he had zero shot attempts in the game in the first five minutes that he played, and then he was taken out for the entire rest of the quarter, and he had no shot attempts through the first quarter of this game. And as the... One of the three leading offensive options on this team right now, that to me is disheartening because he had just had a 28-point performance in Game 2 on 17 shot attempts, had hit six threes, had done a lot of great things offensively in finding his own shot, looking for stuff, and the Nuggets just looked him off entirely for the first five minutes that he was there, and then Michael Mullen took him off the floor. Like... To me, there is some disconnect there where if you are Michael Malone and your game plan was to get Jamal Murray going immediately, why do that when you're going to have to take him off at some point and you've already taken off Michael Porter Jr. and haven't gotten him going? And then at the five-minute mark of the first quarter where both of those guys go off, now you're leaving Nikola Jokic by himself with a lineup that includes Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Jokic, and you're basically just asking for the Nuggets to get steamrolled offensively, because there are no spacing threats out there outside of Jeremy Grant and Monte Morris to an extent. It was brutal to watch the Nuggets' offense today, and as somebody who has more focus on the Nuggets' offense than the defense— I thought there were so many poor decisions being made in terms of rotations, in terms of play calls, in terms of other various things. Um, so Michael Malone kind of gets an L for, for this game, especially to start. I thought that he did a poor job of getting the Nuggets into the game. There was a stretch where the Jazz were going on a run, the Nuggets were making turnover after turnover, and Michael Malone refused to call timeout because I think he had taken one just earlier in that stretch. But it was very clear to me and to, I think, everybody watching that the Nuggets were struggling and that they couldn't get out of it and that they needed something different. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray were sitting at the scorer's table for a long time waiting to check into the game. And they couldn't get into the game because the Nuggets refused to call timeout and play kept going and the Jazz kept scoring. That was the reason why the Nuggets got off to a 25-14 deficit, was the lineups, was the decision-making, and clock management. In my opinion, you may come up with a different opinion, other people may come up with something different, but to me, it was just brutal to watch. 
that first quarter. Second quarter happens. Mason Plumley comes in. The Nuggets, like, I, it's unfortunate for Mason that I've been pretty hard on him overall, but I think he's actually been one of the better Nuggets in this series for sure. He's done his job well. He's hustled. He has made sure to put himself out there as much as possible. He has understood the defensive concepts. He has made very few defensive mistakes. And he's he's just done his job. He grabbed five offensive rebounds today in 13 minutes. That's absurd. That's the hustle that you need if you're looking to get back into a game. And it was just very clear that the rest of the Nuggets weren't going to come to the party today. Plumley deserves a, a shout-out for this. He was the one guy that was in the rotation, other than maybe Jamal, maybe, uh, that the Nuggets could really count on to put forth a good effort tonight. Uh, it was pretty sad. So, but Plumley kind of, he, he got a, a short uh, hook because the Nuggets were struggling offensively and they needed Nikola Jokic back out there. And at around the 9.30 mark in the second quarter, I'm going to go with that. Let me just check the timestamp real quick. Uh, Yeah, the 9.25 mark in the second quarter is where things really started to fall apart for Denver. Though it was kind of quick before that. Like, they were down down 18 when the Nuggets took a timeout. Uh, Mike Conley was getting hot. Uh, Jokic goes back in there and just... I don't want to bury him too much because he has so much pressure on him. He has so much attention being put on him on the Jazz. Rudy Gobert is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Quinn Snyder is an excellent coach. They have a system that is designed to put him into a pickle. But he's got to meet Michael Malone halfway with some effort on the defensive end. He gave none of it today, other than one play where he chased down Donovan Mitchell a little bit and blocked a shot off the glass. That was a very impressive defensive play. It's something that I hadn't really seen from him for much of this series. I thought he did a decent job there. And then he had a couple of times where he was on the perimeter defending it, defending the guys, the, the Utah Jazz on switches, and did a really good job in that situation. But overall... The Nuggets are running defensive schemes where they don't really ask a ton of Jokic. They just want him to get into a a decent enough position where he's showing a little bit and then recovers enough to get back in front of Rudy Gobert to make sure he doesn't get a dunk. Well, he couldn't do that today. There was just no way for him to. Actually, that's not true. There was a way. Jokic has to start busting his butt because the Nuggets are getting their butts kicked up and down the floor by this Jazz team, which doesn't have as much talent as this Nuggets team at full strength. I think that's true. I genuinely do. But one of the things that really has to stand out there is for Jokic to play at the level that he's capable of. And to this point, except in Game 1 for stretches, Jokic has been the worst center on the floor. Rudy Gobert has really proven what he can do when he's in his role and maximizing his energy level, uh, doing as much as he can to bother Jokic in every situation, Rudy is just kicking his butt. It was very evident on when the Jazz were on offense. It was very evident when the Nuggets were on offense. And I'll give you an example. 
Nikola Jokic had two shot attempts at the paint, like in the paint today. I know the Jazz are helping off of, they're, they're helping Rudy, they're doubling Jokic in certain situations, but at some point, Jokic has to just be aggressive, go right at Rudy Gobert, and try to score, because he hasn't done that yet. He struggled to get into the paint in game one, but his shot was dropping, so it was okay. Uh, he struggled to get into the paint in game two, and the Nuggets got blown out, and he now has struggled to get into the paint in game three. The Nuggets have to put him in good positions in order to do so. That means that you have to have Jokic, you have to have Jokic surrounded by shooters. You have to have Michael Porter Jr. out there. You cannot take him off the floor as much as Michael Malone might want to. You have to have Murray out there as a good shooter, or if if not him, then you have to have Morris out there. Grant has to be out there, and he has to be shooting well. Uh, ideally, you'd like Will Barton out there, but Barton's not available. You'd like Gary Harris out there because even though he hasn't shot the ball well, he still can shoot it well, but he's not available. The Nuggets right now, they don't have enough shooters. And Jokic really struggles in those situations. He struggled today. He couldn't generate offense for himself or the rest of the team when he was out there and he wasn't surrounded by enough shooting. The Jazz took advantage of that. They doubled him whenever they wanted. Um... So I think part of that is on Jokic. Part of that is putting him into a position where he's willing to take contested shots, where he's okay with that because he's the star of the team and he has to do certain things. But they can't just be jumpers. He's got to start trying to force some things because he can do that. And the moment that he starts having success against Rudy Gobert in the, in the middle, the moment outside jumpers are going to be available for the rest of the team. He didn't bring it on the offensive end today. I don't really care what the stats say. I don't really care, honestly. As somebody who runs a Nuggets Numbers podcast, and as somebody who does a stat of the week column, I just don't care. Because unless you are putting forward the requisite effort level and engagement level on the defensive end and offensive end as the best player on the floor, the Nuggets aren't going to go anywhere. They're sunk. Like if, if Jokic doesn't find a new gear, if he doesn't start to really get things together, and he, if he keeps letting Rudy Gobert be the best player or, or the best center on the floor, then the Nuggets are done. Then they're cooked. If Jokic consciously makes that decision and doesn't fight back, then the Nuggets are cooked. A couple more notes before we, we get into the next segment. Um... Mike Conley came back today. He made absolutely everything. It really sucks for Denver that the Jazz keep getting these guys where they're just in a position where they make every single shot. And and that doesn't matter how contested or uncontested the shots were. One of the possessions where I thought Jokic defended well was when Mike Conley was on or when he was on Mike Conley on the perimeter. Conley was forced to do a step back to his right and shoot a rainbow three about 27 feet over Jokic's outstretched hand. And the ball just dropped right through the net. Um, barely even touching iron, barely even touching the net. When you get into that position and, and guys just can't miss against you, then it's really tough to win. It's really tough. You have to be perfect. You have to execute. You have to get into their airspace more. But Mike Conley today, 27 points, 4 assists, 0 turnovers. There was a part of me that thought, oh, great. I'm, I'm thankful that Mike Conley is coming back 
because it gets the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands. Well, doesn't really matter when Mike Conley just plays like Donovan Mitchell has for the last couple of games. Thought the Nuggets did a good job on Donovan Mitchell, but Joe Ingles had eight assists. Royce O'Neal continues to be mostly unbothered when he's tasked to do anything. Uh, he had four assists today. He did have four turnovers, but the Jazz only had 10 as a team, and, and most of those came in garbage time. So, overall, it wasn't just Jokic. Don't get me wrong. I think he's the most to blame in terms of the players on the floor. Uh, Jamal has to hit more shots. Everybody has to be better defensively, no matter if you're Porter, no matter if you're Torrey Craig, if you're Jeremy Grant, uh, if you're Monte Morris, uh, especially Nikola Jokic. Everybody has to be passionate. Everybody has to display some displeasure when the other team has it going. And they have to start looking to get into a fight because right now there is no fight with this team. You could see over on the bench that nobody was really making a stink. Nobody was being mad. Nobody seemed like really displeased that anything was going on. It was blank stares. It was just sadness. Uh, There was no anger. There was no fire. There was no resiliency. The Nuggets clearly just broke. That's a pretty sad sight. When we come back, as as much as you probably don't want to hear, we're coming back. Uh, we're going to talk about some adjustments that Michael Malone can make, some adjustments that the Nuggets can make as a whole. Um, I want to see if we could figure some stuff out, at least on the fly. Uh, there are some things that I think the Nuggets need to try, but if they don't, then they're probably screwed. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. Uh, Solo today, uh, I I didn't want to subject anybody to having to podcast with me after that atrocious loss, after the Nuggets got blown out in Game 2 as well, let's be honest. like There was not a lot of fun things to talk about over the last two games, so if I'm going to... Somebody's going to have to talk about it, it's going to be me, and I'm willing to bear the burden, but I did have to drink some whiskey. I, I had a whiskey sour, a couple of them today, and... My God, it was just just painful. Like, if you're a Nuggets fan, if you're watching the last couple of games, this this was the most painful game that I think I've ever had to watch as a Nuggets fan. And that's really disappointing because there was a lot of hope going into this bubble, especially with the way that the Nuggets were playing at the end of their three seeding games. Against the Jazz, in overtime, they still they kind of had things figured out against the Jazz in that first bubble game. Uh, against the Lakers... They came to play. They were really engaged. They figured things out. Against the Clippers, they were really engaged. They were winning at one point. They really showed that they could hang with all three of those teams. As it turns out, it doesn't look like they can really hang with the Jazz anymore. But the series is only 2-1. There is an opportunity for the Nuggets to come back. And as awful, and I mean awful, awful as the series has been just far for the Nuggets. They've come back from 2-1 before. They forced Game 7 on two occasions last year. They won one, they lost one. If the Nuggets could come back and get a win, if they could figure out how to 
muster up a, a good effort in game four, be engaged, have some players hit some shots, maybe get lucky with the Jazz missing a couple of the ones that they've normally made over the past couple weeks, or the past couple, it feels like weeks. Um, the Jazz shot 48% from three tonight. They shot 45% last game. They shot a high, they only shot 34% in game one. So if the Jazz were not to shoot well, and maybe the total that they come to is only 110 as opposed to 124 like they had today, and the Nuggets can get their butts out of their heads on offense, which it really, it really was that level today. I do think the Nuggets can win some games. They just have to start making the right calls. But no matter what defensive scheme the Nuggets choose to run, no matter what they try to do offensively, it's not going to work if Nikola Jokic isn't fully invested. He has to be the driving force behind whatever the Nuggets decide to do going forward. If the Nuggets are going to go out without a fight, it will probably be because Nikola Jokic isn't going out without a fight. Or he is going down. If the Nuggets are going to come back, it's going to be because Nikola Jokic wills it so. He's got to be the guy. And that sucks in a lot of ways because he doesn't want to be the guy. He's he's never wanted to be the guy to have that level of pressure on him. He just wants to be one of the team. But he is the best player. He is the guy that you have to turn to in these situations and say, okay, how do we get back into this thing? And he then tells you, don't worry, I got this, follow my lead. When he gets to that point, he will be a Nuggets leader. He will be one of the best in franchise history. Statistically, he already is. But the Nuggets need more than stats right now. They need some passion. They need some fire. And Jokic has to bring it himself. Attitude and effort are the only two things that can be controlled right now. You can't control if the shots go in, you can't control if you get the best possible looks, but you can control how you approach the situation and how much effort you put into this thing. Jokic has to get back in control of those two things if the Nuggets want to avoid being swept, basically. This is a gentleman's sweep. This is the Nuggets getting game one, and then if they don't get things right, they are going to go down 4-1 in one of the most depressing losses or series losses in franchise history. Jokic has to get this in gear. He is the starting factor for everything that the Nuggets do. It's going to be really hard for the Nuggets to win when their two stars are 4 of 14 from 3. It's going to take better shooting from everybody, but it's got to start, like I said, with Jokic, but also with Jamal. Jamal has definitely not shot the way that he wanted to after Game 1. He was trying to do the same thing that he did in Game 1, in Game 2, where he kind of picks and chooses his spots. He makes sure that the Nuggets get into a situation where they're in it in the fourth quarter, and then he feels like he can turn it on in the fourth quarter when needed. Well, he tried to do the opposite in Game 3. He tried to be aggressive in Game 3 coming out of the gate, and I thought he settled for a lot of difficult shot opportunities immediately. That's tough. He's, he's still trying to strike the balance between being a primary playmaker and being a distributor and being a scorer. He's got to figure out the rhythm. He's got to find the way. He's got to establish a tempo. Um, and it may not start with him being the most aggressive player on the floor. 
it may have to start with Jokic, or in my opinion, it probably has to start with Michael Porter Jr., getting him shots immediately. The Nuggets need to get Michael Porter Jr. some shots. That's where I come down on this thing most, is that they have this extremely talented player who so far has shot three of seven from three, six of nine from three, and one of two from three. He has yet to have a bad shooting performance in the playoffs so far. He was Denver's best perimeter shooter all year. Not necessarily like on full percentage, but from the case of I'm going to take difficult shots and I'm going to make them at a high rate, he was the guy. He's going to be a really, really elite perimeter shooter for the rest of his career. And the Nuggets need that in their starting lineup, in their, in their main primary offense right now. They shot 31% from three tonight. Porter only took two threes total. And it just, it was like he wasn't even out there for the first five minutes. The Jazz didn't even have to guard him because the Nuggets didn't even look his direction. They have to start getting him engaged. They have to start calling some plays for him and going to the kid to see if they could get him going. Because if he could get hot for the first half or the first three quarters or even the whole game, it keeps the Nuggets in it. Even if they're struggling defensively, nobody on the Jazz can stop Michael Porter Jr. I firmly believe that. There is no way that they have the personnel to do it if he gets going from three. Joe Ingles is not athletic enough. Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, they're not tall enough. If Michael Porter Jr. can start shooting, he's got to shoot. And I can't believe it's taking this long to really figure that out after he showed all of this talent for so long. Yes, he has defensive issues, but clearly the Nuggets do as, as an entire team. No matter whether they're getting killed defensively or offensively, the Nuggets have been a minus 23 in total raw plus minus with Porter on the floor. They've been a minus 23 with total raw plus minus with Porter off the floor. I don't think they've optimized Porter's minutes either. He's played next to Paul Millsap for most of that time, and I just don't think that is what's going to get the job done for this Nuggets team. If Jamal Murray, Torrey Craig, Porter, Jeremy Grant, and Nikola Jokic isn't the starting lineup on Sunday, I will be pretty disappointed in Michael Malone's adjustments. Was Paul Millsap a problem today? No, he was definitely not the problem. Was he the solution? Absolutely not. The amount of impact that Paul Millsap has had in this series is very little. And it's too bad because he's a really good player who's very capable he hit both of his threes today. It was important to see that. Uh, but it's just not getting the job done. The Nuggets aren't figuring things out with him out there. Joe Ingles, despite only having two points today, he had eight assists. And a lot of that was because Paul Millsap wasn't able to keep up with him on the defensive end. When it wasn't Paul Millsap, it was Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant also struggled with him. Every Nuggets player is struggling defending right now. It is not just Michael Porter Jr. Everybody is. Torrey Craig is. He keeps fouling everything. Jamal Murray. He tries. Jamal Murray clearly tries, but something just isn't clicking on the defensive end. He's just not quite in the right position. Doesn't always have his hands in the right place. Uh, maybe he's just a little bit too small against certain players. Uh, he's trying. Don't get me wrong. But this is a team-wide issue. It's not just Jokic, it's not just Porter, 
they may be the ones that are involved in a lot of the stuff, but they're also the ones that can keep the offense flowing. They're also the ones that can keep the offense gas pedaled down. Porter only played 15 minutes today. He played a minute 40 in the third quarter, then didn't play in the fourth quarter. He played a minute 40 in the entire second half. At that point, the Nuggets had already given up. Michael Malone had basically already given up. He tried going to a lineup that was Murray, Craig, Grant, Millsap, Jokic. He didn't start Porter in the third, and the reason why he didn't do it was because of the lineup that ended the second quarter was the only lineup that had really displayed some some good stuff uh, in that entire first half. Uh, they, they got some stops, they got a couple shots up, uh, made things work. They had uh, they got a little bit of momentum back. Malone decides to go to that again, and I think that's the wrong process. He found something that worked. He found free points, but that's not going to get the job done in a series, and it clearly didn't get the job done in the third quarter. The Nuggets had no answers for anything the Jazz were doing in the third quarter. It was very clear. Ah. <sighs> The points that the Jazz scored in the third quarter in the first three and a half minutes. Mike Conley, three. Donovan Mitchell, three. Donovan Mitchell, free throw. He missed his second one. Royce O'Neal, three. Mike Conley, three. It's not just Nikola Jokic. Or it's not just Michael Porter Jr., excuse me. He's not the only one who's struggling defensively in this series. The Nuggets as a team cannot defend, which means they have to outscore the Jazz. You need Michael Porter Jr. out there to outscore them. There's no other way they can do it. That is my opinion, but I think it's sound. Craig needs to be out there for Mitchell. Don't get me wrong. He has to stop with the awful fouls. Uh... There was a three-shot foul in the corner off of a pump fake with about two seconds left on the shot clock. That was just infuriating. If you're if you're watching the game, if you have a vested interest, then that's the last possible section that you want for a foul to occur. Late in the shot clock, in the coffin corner, like you're clearly in an awkward position already as an offensive player. He caught the ball and pump faked, and Torrey Craig got right up in the air, and no real discipline on on staying down on his feet and making sure that he just contested the shot. He tried to block the damn thing. He also had a play where he was trailing the play in transition. He was trailing Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell saw exactly where he was and picked the right moment and then stopped in his tracks, and Torrey Craig trampled him, got another easy foul call. Mitchell's just toying with them at this point. He's toying with Torrey Craig, and Torrey Craig's getting suckered into several bad fouls at this point. But he's shooting the ball well. He needs to start putting it all together, because if he can't, then the Nuggets are probably done anyway. If he can't hold things together, then I think the Nuggets may have to go to a different guy at that shooting guard. It might have to be Monte Morris who goes out there. Maybe it's P.J. Dozier who gets some of the minutes. But either way, um, Millsap can't be out there. I don't think he has a role. Uh, Porter has to be out there in some in some facets, and not all of them, though. Um, there's another lineup that worked well that needs some run. It's uh, Morris, Murray, Craig, Grant, and Jokic. That lineup is actually one of Denver's only positive lineups in the entire playoff bubble uh, in the last three games. 
And because of that, I think the the right thing to do for this Nuggets team is to stagger Jamal Murray to the bench and to use him as the primary bench scorer and not Michael Porter Jr. They clearly don't have a great idea of how to get him involved. A lot of it is isolations. A lot of it is just catching the ball on the perimeter and hoping that he scores. They aren't working for him. That's one of the things that I think Jokic will do, that he can do. He's capable of doing that, is finding ways to work for Michael Porter Jr. to get a good shot. But it's going to be tough, and they've got to work at it. So, the lineups that I would run in the upcoming game. You're starting Murray, Craig, Porter, Grant, and Jokic. Your first rotation is to take Porter out and to go with Monte Morris. That means Morris, Murray, Craig, Grant, Jokic. And then the rest of the reserves trickle in. Maybe you go with Millsap in place of Grant. You go with Dozier in place of Craig. And then you go with Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, P.J. Dozier, Paul Millsap, and Mason Plumley off the bench. That's a lot of good defensive players. Monte Morris, good defensive player. P.J. Dozier, good defensive player. Millsap and Plumley, good defensive players. Jamal Murray's probably not, but he's getting better. Um, that bench lineup has a chance of being able to mitigate what the Jazz are doing more consistently, especially because one of the things that they're doing is they're getting Mike Conley free now, and they're getting Jordan Clarkson free. So having Morris and Dozier and Murray all out there to match up is a good idea. Instead of putting Michael Porter Jr. out there, where he gets switched on, instead of putting... Nikola Jokic out there where he gets switched on. You have three guards who are capable of defending one-on-one. You've got Paul Millsap as a backline defender. You've got Plumlee as the primary pick-and-roll defender. I think that's good enough to at least keep you neutral. As long as those guys can shoot, as long as they can figure it out, it's a big-time test for Jamal Murray. We're going to see. But you got to let MPJ go with the starter lineup. you got to do it. He's got to get shots. He can't have only six shot attempts in the next game. That's absurd. There is some concern, in my opinion, that Nikola Jokic may not be connecting well with them in this playoff environment. There was one play in particular where Porter clearly was in a good rhythm. Uh, He came around on a dribble handoff while Jokic had the ball. He reversed, pivoted towards him and started dribbling towards Porter but he never locked eyes with Porter. He never even looked at Porter. Uh, Porter kind of ran around him and and waited for the ball and never got it. And Jokic instead locked eyes with Murray and they went for that play and that play didn't yield any points. Um, But it was just something to take note of because this team may not be integrating very well. There are some things that everybody's, they're getting a little bit frustrated with. It wouldn't be a surprise at all. Uh, I certainly hope that's not the case, but if you're Murray and Porter and Jokic, those are the three guys of the future. You want those three players to be as connected as possible, to feel like they can trust each other, to feel like they're they're willing to go to bat for each other and work their tails off for each other and play defense for each other and share the ball with each other. Because if that doesn't happen, it could be in a pretty bad position, so... Do I think the Nuggets come back from this? Uh, No, I do not. 
I think that they're probably past the point of no return. Is it possible that they could come back from this? Yes. Two to one is still two to one. Teams have come back from two to one before. The Nuggets have come back from two to one themselves. They came back after a really tough quadruple overtime loss to the Portland Trailblazers last year and evened up the series 2-2 the next game. They have the capacity to do it. But Gary Harris and Will Barton are not coming through that door, and if they do, then it's probably too soon based off of the things that I'm hearing. Those guys, the guys that are in the rotation right now, are the ones that are either going to get the Nuggets out of this or get the Nuggets out of the playoffs. Michael Mullen's got to start pulling the right strings. He's got to start making these right decisions. And he can't just go away from Michael Porter Jr. because he thinks that the defensive end is too big of a deal. The Nuggets scored 87 points tonight. And I understand that Michael Mullen's, like his his entire thing is going to be about defense, as it should be. The Nuggets have not defended well in the bubble. They've actually defended extremely poorly in the bubble. But the Nuggets are an offensive team. They have to start with offense. That's the way that they go. That's the way that Jokic gets rolling, and Porter gets rolling, and Murray gets rolling. Then when their offense starts to go, their defense starts to click. When Porter is engaged, the defense starts to click for him. Not before. You can't work backwards with the kid. You gotta just work with him. You gotta let him go. You gotta figure it out. That's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Uh, sorry for it to be such a downer, but the last couple of days have been a real downer for the Nuggets. So I hope, just as much as you hope, that this Nuggets team can get it together. It wouldn't surprise me if they do, um, because they have a lot of talents. They have more talent than the Jazz. I do believe that. That's kind of the common thread that the Nuggets players have said. They have more talent than the Jazz, but they have to start putting that into action. They have to start playing for each other selling out on both ends and really going at it get into a fight start acting like you care or else this is going to go quick that's going to do it for this episode i'll talk to you guys next week